Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Brandon Estes serves as Associate Director of Bands and Head Director of the Marching Redhawks at Naperville Central High School in Illinois. He is an active educator, clinician, and arranger within the Chicagoland area. A native of Houston, Texas, he holds a Bachelor's in Music Education from Texas State University San Marcos and a Master's in Music Performance from Northern Illinois University. Brandon's extensive drum corps marching experience includes membership with the Pioneers and the Madison Scouts between 1998 and 2002. In 2005, he served as co-arranger and percussion caption head of the Blue Stars and in recent years has worked with the Phantom Regiment. Brandon was a founding member of the Chicago Bulls Stampede Drumline and is also in his 13th season as a performing member with the Chicago Bears Drumline, also serving as director since 2011. As an orchestral performer, Estes has performed with the Austin Symphony Orchestra, the Chicago Sinfonietta, the Elmhurst Symphony of Elmhurst, Illinois, as well as the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra. Mr. Estes is also a founding percussion performer with the Chicagoland Educators Orchestra. Brandon enjoys spending time with his wonderful wife, Natasha, and their two beautiful daughters, Bailey and Harper. It's a great pleasure for me to kick off our third season with Brandon. So... Today is the beginning, or this podcast is the beginning of our third season of Profiles in Teaching with Technology, and I am absolutely thrilled to welcome uh, Brandon Estes to the program. Um, Brandon, uh, welcome, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your kind of, how you became a music teacher? Sure. Um, well, first off, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for the invite. Um, you know, I've been um, uh, in music for you know, as long as I can remember, um, and just like many of us had that that uh, wonderful influence uh, band directors um, that kind of gave me that that vision to to follow this path. So um, many thanks to my my former uh, high school band directors. But I'm originally from Houston. Um, I graduated from Texas State University uh, in San Marcos, Texas. I uh, came up to Illinois for graduate school and went to Northern Illinois University and. Um, uh, from there, um, you know, now 11 years into uh, teaching in, in Naperville, um, it's been a, a wonderful ride. This is my 15th year of, of teaching wow. and um, just a wonderful, wonderful community in Naperville uh, Community Unit uh, District 203 to be in. So just very, very proud to be there. And where is Naperville in relationship to Chicago? So our, sure. so our listeners know. Sure. It's about 30 miles west of Chicago. So about a 30, 40 ish minute drive, depending on the traffic. <laughs> right. So past um, O'Hare, like out, out that way. Um, it's uh, southwest, if you will, uh, okay. of O'Hare. So a suburb, a suburb of uh, Chicago. Sure. Right. 
Anyway, Brandon, um, you were recommended to me by our uh, kind of our Midwest education manager, Mike Olander, who, who met with you and just very, very impressed. And he recommended that you speak at our conference that we did back at the end of July. And um, it was fabulous. I don't, I don't know what you thought of the day, what, you know, how, how but your session was terrific. And um, if, peop, if listeners have not um, already gone to musicedtechconference.com and clicked on Brandon's session, you kind of need to. Uh, is really, really good. But before we dive into the questions, Brandon, I, as you said, you were originally from Houston and now you're in Chicago. What teams, uh, what teams do you root for? Uh, like, are you, because you got, you got great teams in both cities. Sure. Um, well, um, I officially, I officially you're a Chicago fan, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely still have for the, the hometown teams uh, right. back in, in Houston, but um, as far as football, I'm an avid, uh, football fan. Um, but, um, Chicago bears are definitely my, All right. my, my number one. Um, I do have an affiliation with the team, um, as I serve as the director of the drumline for the Chicago bears. Um, oh, very cool. Also a performing member. Um, so this is, uh, going into season 13, um, being on the drumline and, uh, season 10 as director. That's great. Absolutely terrific. Okay. So we got to know a little bit about you, Brandon, and uh, thanks very much. So why don't you tell us about your music program uh, at Naperville Central High School where you teach? Like your position, what you do, what's your day like? Sure. By the way, let, um, let's, because we're doing this in the middle of the COVID pandemic, it's probably like in, in, a, in the regular, you know, non-pre-COVID world, describe your position. And then we're going to get into what you're actually doing as a result of uh, all the restrictions that COVID have brought. Absolutely. Well, my position at Naperville Central is um, I'm one of two band directors um, and we we've got uh, a curricular band program and the our our, our program is split up um, curricular versus extracurricular. So what we teach during the class day versus what uh, happens after school. So we've got three curricular bands and our, our band one is wind ensemble. Um, that's our advanced ensemble. Um, our second ensemble is wind symphony. Our third ensemble is symphonic band. Um, we, we co-teach, um, but we do have a primary. Um, so our advanced ensemble is my colleague, DJ Allstott. Okay. And I, um, I support him, anything that he needs on the podium. And then uh, for the secondary ensemble, Wind Symphony, I'm the primary for that ensemble. Um, and then we co-teach the symphonic band where um, basically we're split to where um, I focus on the percussion techniques and he focuses on the winds. Um, so that works out really, really well, uh, allowing us to just continue to develop uh, those students. The top two ensembles are auditioned and the third ensemble is non-auditioned. Um, Non-performance-based uh, uh, courses uh, that we do offer, AP Music Theory, which is a year-long course. Um, I do teach the Music Theory 1 course, which is a one-semester uh, offering. And then uh, we're going into year three now of offering a music production class, um, which I'm proud to have been um, one of the co-authors to get that, that class up and running. Um, and that's been an absolute blast. Um, an opportunity to work with those non-traditional music students that typically would not have found their way down to, you know, our wing of the school. So um, that's, that's just been absolutely fantastic. Uh, we do also offer jazz ensembles, uh, again, three different levels. I teach the second 
level um, jazz two, if you will, jazz band. Um, but our marching band is extracurricular, so fully volunteer. I am the head band director for uh, our marching Red Hawks, and um, uh, just proud uh, to to work with those students. We've got students that are in band that are in marching band. We've got students that are not in band that are in marching band. Um, but it's an absolute pleasure to to be there with all of them. So a lot of questions. Um... First of all, there, there is so much talk. We, we, as soon as you said you're teaching a music production class, all my little bells went off. Sure. I'm like, wow, here's, here's a guy who is in as robust an instrumental music program as I think I've had uh, heard from any guest that we've had on our show. You, you, you're all over the place with the number of ensembles you're teaching, the fact that there are two band directors. I mean, where I teach in New York, having two band directors it's, isn't a thing. Sure. in one high school so just really robust you would probably agree you've got a really robust instrumental music program you're serving a lot of kids but the minute you mention music production I go oh cool right because there's a, there's a stigma out there that the minute you offer a music production class that numbers will decline in the instrumental right so that hey these kids hey I don't have to be in band I can I can go make some I can go record music I can make some beats this is awesome never mind I don't need in band so I've had uh, Barbara Friedman, one of my favorite people on the planet, she did a lot of research about what happens when you put a music production class in mm -hmm. a robust instrumental program. So just quickly, I know it's not on the list of questions I said I was going to ask, but what, what has that done? Has it boosted numbers? Has it taken away numbers? First off, I'd love to, to read that article. Yeah. Um, it's I'm her doctoral thinking. dissertation. Her whole dissertation oh. was on that. Okay. She's, okay. she's awesome. Um, well, it... <laughs> In our in our district, um, students have an opportunity, and uh, forgive my dog. Ashley, no worries, we all we all love animals. Yeah, uh, part of the presentation. <laughs> um, but uh, to 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 answer your question, um, I don't I don't think that we've seen a decline in our numbers because we offer music production. If anything, it has uh, um, been more of a gateway. Um, I'll say a smaller percent of students but it has been a gateway for us to to find some of those students that we typically would not have um been able to engage with for instance um you know you 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 can typically typically find guitar players and and some singers and piano players and bass players in a music production class and um with our jazz ensembles it's uh, our jazz ensembles are volunteer uh, as well um students have the choice to 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 be in those 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 classes. So um, if anything, we've had students that because of music production and the opportunity for us to talk about some of those other course offerings, um, it has al allowed students to, you know, expand our program, if anything. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, we've had one or two students that maybe said, well, I used to play the saxophone, but I don't anymore, but I'm, I'm in this music production class. And um, is it still possible to jump back in? Again, it's a, a smaller percentage, but it has in fact happened. So that's, that's been really, really exciting. Um, so no, I have not seen a decline. I've not seen students dropping our band program um, so that they can just take music production and forget about tape, you know, taking the uh, traditional band class. No. Yeah. I'm hoping that everyone who's doing any type of research or thinking about it, it, it is the thing I hear over and over. And if, if anything, it's expanding the number of kids that you're able to touch in a school, Absolutely. meaning that, that all these kids who are, you know, making, you know, EDM in their bedroom. Now all of a sudden you go, I had no idea that you were a musician. Like you're, you're right. really good. So and it's very good and, to hear. As you just said, you know, just, 
the opportunity to work with students that you never would have most likely um, been in contact with. Yep. Um, and there's so much talent. It's, it's crazy. Um, you know, the, the music production class right now is a, it's, it's built as a beginning level music production class, but I, I'll have, you know, opposite extremes of talent that walk in the door from students that are interested in music production, have heard all about it, but don't know how to turn the computer on. Yep. All the way to the students that can mix master and make some things that, you know, would rival, you know, one of the top producers. Yep. Um, and the beautiful thing about that is, well, in our typical world where we were allowed to kind of coexist a little bit more, I could utilize those students and their talents to, to help bring up those younger students, you know, um, so that I can bounce around the classroom, you know, they can work in partners and, and, and be able to still flourish and feel good about their uh, offerings to their colleagues. So um, it, it's been nothing but beneficial in our, in our uh, district has been highly supported and um, we uh, we primarily have used Ableton Live as oh, our. That's my um, favorite. That is yeah, my favorite. <laughs> it's it's fantastic and you know great company, great um, uh, software. Um, but the tricky thing with this COVID thing and remote learning is that they don't offer a um, a a virtual platform. Um, so that's where we are. You know, uh, moving towards uh, something like a Soundtrap, a BandLab, yep. those sorts of yep. things. Cool. So that brings me to my, my second question on the list, which is how did you get interested in, in technology? I, I mean, well, it's, for the listeners, we, we, we do these recordings over Zoom and I can see it looks like a mallet cat behind you. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'd love to hear how you got interested in technology and, and maybe how that uh, music production class fell in your lap. Well, it's, it's interesting because I've always just personally had an affinity to technology so much so that there was a time that I thought I was going to go into computer science. Mm -hmm. um, but music just had me and, um, you know, no, no looking back. Right. Exactly but, the same here, man. I, I, I thought I was good. My, my guidance counselor said that becoming a computer program was a fad and it was a terrible idea. I should be a music teacher. I, I often think back. <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that, um, <laughs> that guidance. I'm sure they were a wonderful. Yeah, um, exactly. Well said. Um, person, but you know, so this has allowed me to sort of combine combine those two passions. Um, I started off doing any sort of editing with uh, Sony Acid Pro mm -hmm. um, and um, Sony SoundForge years and years ago, with just being able to to kind of splice up um, and do just basic editing, um, and you know, just fast forward. Um, you know, I did a little bit of work with Pro Tools. Um, I found that one to be maybe a little bit more cumbersome, but again, it was just, it was my beginning uh, or introduction to a DAW. Um, but once I I got my hands on Ableton Live, um, I just, it's, it's such a fantastic software, uh, very user-friendly. Um, and then just the, the education um, that's applied behind it is, is pretty wonderful. So, um, I, I guess I should kind of back up and how I got into the music production class is that we offered a music appreciation class for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a class that, because in our school, we also had a, um, a music history course that was taught within um, our humanities uh, department uh, with, you know, we're looking at a class of 60, 70, 80 kids. And then the music appreciation class, um, and that one was, it was, it was more like fine arts appreciation. 
yep. right? Yep. Or history, which there was a music history element combined with art and whatnot. So my music appreciation class was just music. And um, so I started to see a little decline in our numbers and I, I wanted to find something that was going to help boost, you know, the interest again. And that's where um, I introduced the music production unit um, that would last a little over a month um, and realized very quickly that that just wasn't getting it. You know, the kids were at just as they were starting to get their feet wet and really get engaged in it, we were done. All right. Um, so that's when we started to push for the music production side of things. Cool. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an Ableton lifelong. As soon as, as long as that company has been around, I've been a, huge fan of the product. If any of you are not uh, familiar with it, they, they do have some really wonderful resources that are free online. I think it's called like learning.ableton.com. Um, so kids can play around with synthesis. It's, it's, if, if in the world of COVID, especially there are some online things you can't, you can do, but you're not actually using the platform. And the reason that most of those like logic pro tools and Ableton don't have an online version, believe me, it's not because they don't want one. It's because right. it sucks so much power out of your, uh, out of the uh, computer's processor. So, um, yeah, Brandon, I, 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 I'd love to know how you use uh, our music. For, again, we're going to get, we'll dive into the COVID thing after this question, but how, how are you using music first before it happened? And, and then what, what did that look like, you know, at the end of uh, mid-March uh, in terms of what you're actually doing with music first product? Sure. Uh, it's been instrumental in our program. The, the, the positive thing is that, um, you know, we, we're going into year three, I think it's year three, yep. um, of, of using music first um, within our program. And we specifically have focused on musician Aurelia and sight reading factory. Yep. Um, you know, for all transparency, you know, we've, we've used uh, smart music for a number of years and, and, um, that's something that the district has supported and, and yep. we're just continuing to use. Um, but, I, and, and I know all of the, the wonderful um, aspects of practice first and, um, you know, definitely something that I would like to look into in, in the future, but musician and Aurelia have been fantastic because they offer um, ways for us to, to teach those uh, basic music theory concepts that students need for individual and ensemble performance. Um, that might be, I guess I'll say less engaging in the performance ensemble classroom yep. where the kids just, they want to come in and they want to play their instruments. Yep. They don't want to sit there and, and, you know, always paper and pencil, um, you know, working on music theory. They just want to play. So um, this is that opportunity to, to give both. You know, the, the concept of the, the flipped classroom um, definitely is the, the, the big direction of teaching these days. And we can assign something within musician that's going to work on their rhythm, their harmony, their, their melodic content, um, you know, background in, in music, um, and then be able to apply that in the classroom to a particular piece of repertoire that we're working on. And, you know, we're, we're real big on... Um, with ear training through Aurelia, but, you know, just intonation and tempering of chords and that sort of stuff. And to be able to utilize the ear training software within Aurelia has just been like, you know, priceless right. um, to, to get the kids because it's not something that they do all the time. And it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful because it gives kids feedback in their own domain on right. their own yep. time. 
and and we can still you know reference hey uh 80 percent of you really knocked out this this project or, or this assignment really really well but there's a good 20 percent that had the same uh, concerns with some ear training. So let's let's take five minutes of class and hit this instead of spending an entire class right. worth um, and, going over and, what they already know. Right. You yeah. know, um, so that you know offers that that opportunity for extension um, and also being able to to really hone in on those students that really need it more. You know, Brandon, the, you you mentioned smart music, and I'm I'm glad you did. Um, you know, the the bottom line is at least my. Um, direction with with my with my company it always is what's the best solution for the music teacher and and if it isn't practice first and by all means uh, all we're all trying to do the same thing and I have a lot of love for all the other companies that are out there and so you know for anyone listening go ooh they're not using practice that doesn't bother me at all you had a specific reasons why you chose the one over the other and and it really is it comes down to individual choice so I'm glad you're using I'm glad those kids are are getting their performance assessment as well. I'd love to know how you're using Sight Reading Factory with the with so they're basically going back and forth between two platforms if they're in band or or orchestra or whatever. Yes. So how are you using Sight Reading Factory? So um, again, Sight Reading Factory has been great. Um, I, I guess that was the 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 one big area <clears throat> um, with uh, with Smart Music that um, I I didn't like how if if I wanted to assign Sight Reading. Um, and I'm, I'm not here to, you know, no, no, it's good. It's very, it's very honest conversation. Um, but the, the reality is, is that they have a ton of sight reading, great materials. Um, um, at least the, the old platform. Um, but I like the algorithm based where I can say, I want this, 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 this. And again, going back, I always like to parallel what are the kids seeing in the music and the repertoire that they're playing. If we're playing yeah. something that's in a minor key, that's compound rhythm, and, um, you know, I, I can specifically set up, you know, Sight Reading Factory to give them those exercises. Um, and, it, and it's not gonna jump around without me knowing it, you know, right. from a compound back to a simple meter or out of, you know, three, four back to four, four or stay in major key or all of a sudden we're gonna be in like, you know, D minor or something like that, right. that we don't need to be in. So um, all of this is to say our students were using this technology prior to going into, you know, the, the remote learning. Right. So I, I guess we were a bit ahead of the curve on that aspect because when we started creating the assignments, the kids were already, already had accounts. Yep. The kids already knew how to log into um, our music first um, hub. Um, the kids know how to complete the assignment, so they're getting it done. Um, and it's super efficient. I mean, a lot of times, as soon as it would go live within the next 10 minutes, I've already got kids that have completed the assignments. Yep. Um, and so it really is that easy for our, our kids to, to get in. Um, it's definitely a part of our program right now. But um, we the, the disappearing measures has been super clutch, you know. Yeah. Um, just allowing the kids to, to, to focus their eyes, you know, further ahead. Um, the, the kids really enjoy that. Um, but we have also used in the, in the ensemble, in the classroom, uh, where, you know, I'll use the ensemble sight reading option and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put one up. And I, I love to start really, really simple with level one or level two. The kids get all comfortable. They're sitting up nice and tall and they're like, oh, I got this. And then 
um, we start cranking up the levels and, you know, they start sitting back a little bit. <laughs> um, they start realizing, okay, I do have um, some area for growth right. in there. Absolutely. And it's not, you know, to shame anyone. It's just to, you know, open up that, 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 that awareness of there's more to learn. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a middle school band director. I'm a tuba player and I left my last band rehearsal ever was in December of 2007, uh, where I was standing in front of kids. I, I've done some all county stuff and some all state kind of things, but but you know the, the actual you're in there with them. And if I would have had sight reading factory to project, my kids would have been monster sight readers because you know what I think is uh, for a lot of ensemble directors, it's the amount of time it is without that kind of tool. The amount of time to practice sight reading is just not worth the reward. Um, so I would, I just skipped it. And, and, and we all know, I've said this on other podcasts, the difference between a kid who makes it into an honor band and the kid who doesn't is their sight reading score. Cause if Absolutely. you sent them there with their repertoire and their scales nailed, it's the, it's the director that just didn't have enough time to go over that sight reading enough. So the kids felt comfortable. And yet, I, you know, I remember auditioning, just sweating and sitting there for like the, in New York it's 60 seconds you get before you have to play the sight reading. And it was the worst minute of my life. I was trying to like, oh my God, I, I don't know what this, I don't know what to do. Sure. And then you start and you just go, all right, here we go. I, I hope this happens. So yeah, having those ensemble, choir, orchestra, band, whatever, having those ensemble um, activities is, a, is like a perfect little, what they call in Texas, bell ringer. You know, the minute the bell rings, all right, get out your sight, yeah. here we go. Cool. So um, go ahead. It is. Well, so, I, was, I was just going to say that, you know, um, I see that a lot, even with our own students, is that the kids, they get good at practicing their music over and over and over and over and over, especially yep. that upper five to 10% that are going to really, you know, go towards the, the state level um, audition cycle or whatnot. But you're so right that, that what separates them is that ability um, to sight read and to recognize all of those elements on the fly instead of having to spend, you know, 60 hours uh, practicing it. Yep. So. Um, just continuing to to develop that music vocabulary. Um, so that's that's huge in our program. You know, we are still working on it as well with maintaining that integration. Right. Um, but it is very, very much part of what we do these days. Cool. So now we're going to get to the the, the, the the elephant in the room, as they say. And I'd love to know, you know, it, it's so great to hear that your kids were ready for it when it happened, when, clo when school closed, the flipped classroom you know, log in, all right, this is how I do it. That, that's fantastic. I imagine that that was a huge advantage so that you were able to get through the year. Um, but I'd love to hear what you were doing this fall. And I think everyone right now, they're not interested because they all went through the same, like, oh my God, what am I going to do to, oh my God, how am I going to have a program here? Like what, so what is, what's going on in Naperville? What are you, what are you doing this year? Is it remote or how are you doing band? Just give us the, like, this is what we're doing for the next couple of months. Sure. Well, let me start off by saying that we are still not like set in stone. Yep. Okay. Um, everything is completely fluid. We've got some ideas. So I'll share what, what our ideas are. By the way, before you do, just so every, the listeners, we're, we're recording this in mid-August. So it's not like when you hear this, this the, the decisions will have been made, obviously. So yeah, let, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to hear like in a time capsule two weeks before, three weeks before. Sure. So yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, we start September 1st and we are starting remote. Mm -hmm. um, and as of right now, the, the directive is that that's going to um, will be remote until at least October 7th or something like that. And then they'll uh, reassess, you know, at that time. So um, 
you know, the first thing that we started talking about is, you know, concerts. How would concerts work? Um, so we're looking at this first semester as, you know, we would typically start solo and ensemble and chamber music um, towards the mid to later po portion of the of the first semester in preparation for solo and ensemble in, in February. We're looking at starting that process a lot sooner and uh, focusing our ensembles more on, you know, technique building, but also small group um, chamber ensembles. Mm -hmm. And so that if and when we get to concert time um, for uh, a November concert, it would be more showcase of uh, chamber ensembles at various levels um, and utilizing these various technologies to allow the students to collaborate remotely. Um, whether that is, you know, video uh, submissions or audio only submissions. So um, uh, one of the things, as I mentioned earlier with the music production uh, side of things is, um, you know, things like Soundtrap or BandLab um, where students can actually collaborate within the same uh, project and yep. be able to record, you know, I'm going to record my part, you record your part and, you know, um, and be able to, to put together an ensemble that way. Um, and I think the, the true benefits of that is I know if I'm going to record something, I'm going to try to record, you know, my best work. And that's, that's a phrase that I use with my students all the time. Anytime they're submitting anything, submit your best work. Your best work doesn't have to be perfect right now. It's where you are and it's going to allow you to, to strive for a benchmark. So if the students are recording on their own using a virtual DAW, um, they're, they're going to practice probably more. Uh, you know, because it's, it's making it a little bit more concrete, right? Yep. And they're also sharing it with a peer. And we all know that they want to do their best, you know, show their best to and with their peers. So, um, again, it's maybe a little bit more peer motivation for the kids to be better prepared for um, making a recording um, for whatever that's going to look like. Um, and then, again, the idea is... Um, for a concert to be a showcase of, you know, this quintet, this woodwind ensemble, this percussion ensemble, so on and so forth. Um, but we are also looking into uh, a lot of the adaptive uh, or adapted uh, uh, band repertoire that's, that's being um, written and worked on right now through the wind uh, repertory project. Um, the, um, finding the composers that are making a lot of pre-written music flexible or adapted for band. Um, just the reality that it's going to be a lot easier uh, to combine sections um, if, if the music is a little bit more adapted, you know, whether rather than having three clarinet parts, maybe it's one or two clarinet parts that also doubles with, um, you know, another section in the band. Um, and the really great thing is that obviously flexible options and adapted options, um, we all know about that for beginning band, but the fact that there are pieces that are being adapted at the grade three, grade four level and above is really, really awesome so that our advanced kids still get that rigor and that challenge um, within uh, their repertoire. But as we're working remotely, we still have that option um, just to kind of kind of bring it in a little bit and make it easier for us all to make it happen. Um, you know, 
we've all heard about the the virtual ensembles and i'm not opposed to doing that i've at this time i've done one pretty major project um doing a virtual ensemble i've got another one that i'm working on right now for um our marching band um just for some back to school stuff um but uh, just one of the questions is, you know, because it, it is so labor intensive, you know, the, the first one that I completed, uh, it was a little over 40 hours um, to compile all of that for a four and a half minute project. And I'm super proud of it. But again, is that it's so much work? Time, it is yeah, so much work. So much work. Is that where my time is, is being well spent um, with everything else that, you know, we have on our plates? Um, so again, just trying to find that the, the happy balance with those sorts of things. Right. So for Brandon specifically, super specifically, what is a week? What does your first week of school look like for the kids? What kind of activities are they doing? Are you meeting with them live on zoom every day, once a week, just like super specific. What's this first week you think going to look like? Well, I think the first week is, is really going to be focused on just that SEL component, just getting, getting the kids reengaged in the music classroom. Um, Zoom is, is definitely going to be, you know, I, I don't know that I'll be able to meet with the kids every single day. Um, you know, when we were on quarantine, uh, our district did move to more of a split schedule, uh, an AB split. Um, but if we're, if we have eight class periods and if all eight class periods are meeting every single day, that means that um, most of their academic teachers are going to be trying to meet with them, if not daily, you know, every other day as well. So, um, and it's not healthy. I don't know about you, but if you told me I had to sit through six and a half hours of Zoom meetings a day, I don't, I don't know how I'd handle it. Right. It, it. You know, like you and I are meeting over Zoom, and this is my third Zoom meeting of the day. But when I see on my schedule that I've got six Zoom meetings, my heart sinks. It's just like, right. oh my, you know, and it's not that I don't want to talk and interface with my students or, you know, I'm sure that you feel the same way. But even like in my graduate classes, our, our graduate classes are two and a half hours or whatever. I'm not doing a two right. and a half hour Zoom. Right. So it's like, all right, look, no. I'll condense the instruction into a bite-sized portion and then go out and do it. Like go and do stuff, right? right? And, then, and then maybe, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that and the SEL stuff. In fact, I don't know if you saw the new SEL content we put in for band directors, but there's a whole new little section there for you. Hopefully you can I use just. It. I just heard about it. Haven't had a chance to dig in just yet, but obviously if it's there, we're going to be utilizing yep. it. Um, but you know, it, to, to hit on what you're, what you're saying, you're exactly right. And that's, that's our thought process is that we don't want the kids spending all their time on zoom. Um, if they are going to be engaged in music, we want them engaging in music on their own. Um, so again, we're, we're looking more at that flipped classroom model where, um, you know, if the, if the Zoom meeting is anything, it's to catch up on what assignments have been given um, to, to clarify instruction. Um, but we do want them spending more of their time playing their instrument. Um, so we, we're utilizing um, things like Flipgrid to, to allow the kids to perform, um, but we also wanna see them. You know, um, the, the, the audio submissions are wonderful but I want to see what their hand position looks like. I want to see what their embouchure looks like. Um, 
I want to see just what their their body mannerisms are so that we can correct those things rather than coming back a, a month later and they've learned really well how to play you know if you can't see me but slouched with their their right. elbows on the chair um, with really really bad technique so um, by, by the way a good good news for you it should be done by september 1st so by the time people are listening to this our video submission will work on every single device so a kid can take an iphone video and submit that that Samsung Galaxy video submit that. So while Flipgrid is awesome, the video submission feature, the kid will be able to upload any video format and it'll work. Um, so awesome. yeah, look for that. It's It's been a big pain point because the Apple video codec doesn't work with our player, uh, but we've we spent a lot of money making it work with our player. Sure. So it should be cool. Yeah, if so I, if I could just say for just a, a minute, you know, that's one of the things that I, I do value about Music First. Um, um, and I'll, and I'll say, Jim did not ask me to say this, but you guys, your, your customer service, but just your, your ability to adapt, um, and expand has just been wonderful. Um, but customer service is huge to me. And, um, I, I want to give a huge shout out to Mike and Juliana and Rachel, um, have just been fantastic to work with and to hear things like, you know, you're listening to, um, the consumers that, you know, these are the sorts of things that we are looking for within a product um, and making them happen. Um, I think it's super huge. So I just want to say thanks to you and the, and the no, team. It's for very, very kind. And I'm happen. glad and, and I'm really, I'm really pleased to hear it. I'm sure that uh, Mike, t um, Juliana and Rachel will be very, they'll be smiling when they heard that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and there's some, I will say, I can't really say specifically, but there's some amazing features coming this school year that are going to make people very, very, very happy. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we're always listening to our consumers. So anyway, we've got about five minutes left, uh, Brandon. I just want to make sure I get to a couple quick other points. And the first one is, so you've been through the, you know, four months of kind of uh, just panicked teaching online and, 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 you're, and you're getting ready to do the fall. What advice do you have for other, not only band directors, but for music teachers in general, like based on what you've been through, what, what advice would you give other music teachers who, I don't know if you look on Facebook, but it's like the post every day, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed, help, I don't know how I'm going to do this. What, what advice would you give to make them feel hopefully a little better? There are so many new groups on teaching technology um, remotely and all of these things. And even myself, someone that feels comfortable with technology, it can become very overwhelming very quickly and feeling like I have to do every single one of these things. And so my advice is don't bite off more than you can chew. Um, if you don't feel comfortable with the technology, the kids are not gonna feel comfortable with the technology. Yep. There, there will be some, but um, what I have learned for in the past is um, if you don't have a true understanding of the functionality and a kid has a problem, instead of that software being a benefit to their learning experience, it's going to completely push them away from wanting to utilize the technology and next from wanting to play their instrument. Yep. Um, so... Uh, it's really easy to fall down that rabbit hole of I've got to do all the technology, but essentially, you know, we need to be looking at how are we keeping the kids engaged and playing their instrument? Like for me, that's, that's, that's step number one. And these are just resources to allow them to still have a performance music experience, 
still allow them to receive feedback without having that teacher directly in front of them, still allow the teacher to gain or uh, get, a, get a sense of their progress um, from a distance. Um, so that's the way that I look at it. Um, never want the enjoyment of music making uh, to be deterred by the technology. That's an excellent um, point. Um, but the, the other point is that, you know, this is an opportunity for us to sort of reinvent um, music education. Um, I'm sure many people out there have read wonderful articles by the who's who um, in music education within the instrumentalist or, you know, whatever wonderful publications that span, you know, 40, 50 years that, you know, are still viable today. But my, my thought, my question is, is like, you know, if Frederick Fennell had access to the technologies that we have today, how would his teachings be different? And, you know, I don't want that to become a, become a, a controversial question, but that's just kind of like what I'm thinking, like, you know, how would he utilize what we have now to, to be as positive uh, a music educator as, you know, and an influence as we know Frederick Fennell is. Yep. But how can Absolutely. we do that with what we currently have? You know what I mean? Um, so I, I do think this is a great opportunity to, to reinvent um, while also being careful because, you know, the kids have grown up with technology. I've got two little girls myself, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And um, let's be honest, they're, they're around technology all the time. Um, I still, I, I want to find that happy balance of you know, focus learning, focus music performance and, and learning uh, while using these resources to, to, to boost their learning. Yeah, and I think, Brandon, you touched on something that's key. And for those teachers that are also parents, first of all, holy mackerel, you know, for you to be teaching and monitoring your student, especially with a five-year-old going into like sure. kindergarten, yeah. it's like you're pulling triple duty. Forget, you know, it's like I, I said, I posted a long time ago, those teachers who are also parents dealing with that, you are beyond superhuman. But I also think when I, I watched my um, older daughter, and I won't say the school district I live in, because I, and, and I love the teachers there, but she thought it was miserable. She hated every moment of her online uh, thing and mostly it was because of the lack of contact with her friends yeah. and it was the lack of like being at lunch every day and gossiping all that kind of stuff is kind of right, right out the window so I, I I love what you just said and I think that um, trying to keep them engaged if you think of it as I'm teaching my own kid how would my kid want to consume this right. content that I'm going to be teaching I want them engaged. I want my, you know, when I see my daughter go, oh my God, I have another Zoom meeting today and I, I don't know why we're doing this. She's the only teacher who does it. I went, wait a minute, wouldn't it be cool if we just did one class meeting a week, give out all the assignments and they use the class meeting as, all right, what went right? What went wrong? What can I do differently? How's it going? How are you feeling? You know, are you okay? You know, those kind of, uh, right. yeah, great, great advice, Brandon. Um, so the last question would run, we'll basically run out of time. And I, I feel like I could talk to you for another half hour um, is, uh, you know, you mentioned um, the, you know, our responsiveness uh, in terms of growing and expanding the platform. But if you could say, this is what you need to do. If, if I were, you know, you, Jim, this is what I would fix. This is the feature I would add. Do you have any ideas of what you'd like to see us to add uh, to our platform? Um, I was thinking about this and, 
with within musician and Aurelia and I and I understand you know music versus the umbrella um, with acquiring you know uh, these these other softwares if it's possible to sort of integrate some of the the engines um, like musictheory.net within musician and Aurelia to allow for them to be even more customizable than what they already are um, they they do have you know, the, the various levels for um, the introductory, the beginner and the intermediate. There, there have been times where I've, you know, wished that mm, if I, if I could pull from the intermediate while still pulling from the, the beginner levels and, and be able to combine those into one unit or something like that. And, and of course you can, you know, separately, but you understand what I mean? Like just being able to Absolutely. customize just a little bit more. Yeah, my, so my a little bit of good news. They're adding a ton more content to Aurelia Musician. And, and in fact, I believe it was one of your comments to Mike. Mike is the one that's like, we have to add content. The teachers are not happy. So we went back to Aurelia Musician. Peter Lee was fantastic and said, look, there's people saying that there's not enough content and they can't do this and they can't do that. I'm, I'm almost positive we did one of the exact feature requests you had. I forget what it was, but Mike forwarded okay. it. And I was like, Peter, we have to do this. So we are expanding it. The problem, Brandon, is that there is a $30 a seat version of Aurelia Musician was extremely popular. And we're selling this one for $2 or $2, you know, whatever it is. And that unfortunately, we had to water it down. But you mentioned musictheory.net. I'm sure you, I don't know if you've tried to integrate some musictheory.net exercises as well. It's possible in our resources tab, but I hear you. It'd be great to be able to customize some more. Just know that you're going to get a lot more content um, which and more topics, which will which will hopefully make you a bit happier. I know that there were some percussion-based things that you specifically, I, I forget what it was, but. Uh, actually, I think it was uh, the, um, the drum sticking. Um, you know, that was one that I think is, is on the full cloud. Yes. Um, that, that one, you know, especially with the, the students that I'm working with, it'd be wonderful to have that yeah. accessibility at the first, um, I think that was a, a primary one. Um, well, anyway, Brandon, it's been absolutely fabulous chatting with you. I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people listening are in the exact same boat that you are and trying to figure all this out. And I hope I wish nothing but the best. Uh, for you and your program and keeping those numbers together and keeping those music production kids happy. And I think everybody in America, every music teacher in America and maybe around the world is just hoping that we can get back to playing together on stage as soon as possible. So I'm hoping that this school year, and I'm sure you are too, you know, I, I, I'm assuming your marching band season has been decimated, uh, right? You're, you're not even doing it. No, actually we, no, oh, wow. competitive, no football games, but we're, we're just creating the experience Awesome. We make sure that our seniors get it. And also our new, our newer students, you know, they get the experience and preparation for hopefully next year being back right. to some normalcy. So Absolutely. Absolutely. An adjusted marching band experience. Awesome. Well, I'm sorry. I can't uh, be there with you in person to, to uh, shake your hand. It's, a, it's been really fabulous having you on our show. And great to have you as the uh, as the first guest for the third season. But I hope your school year goes really well. And I hope uh, maybe at Midwest in 2021, uh, we can great. go hang out. It'd be great to meet you in person, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to share. And for anyone listening, you know, we're in the same boat as you. We're still working. We're still looking to find some of those answers. Um, but I hope that any of these comments have been beneficial. Perfect. Appreciate it, Brandon. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. 
For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.